When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Sports Day for Kia, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Right across South Australia, this is the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. You can hear Sports ASA every weeknight from 6pm. With me, Paul Bondron, alongside me tonight, former Geelong and Swans and Eagles Premiership player. It's Dan Menzel. Welcome back, Menz. It's great to be here, Bonds. It's uh, a very, very warm Thursday afternoon, so I'm glad I'm in the studio at the moment. Yes, so uh, we hope everyone's staying nice and hydrated and out of the sun today, but we've got a big year, a big show, rather, big year, <laughs> big show. Uh, Sports Day is a team of the year. So you and Jade Rawlings, we're going to speak to Jade very shortly, have picked the best team yes. out of the AFL, and uh, we're going to go through that very shortly. We've got our brand new segment, thanks to Bike SA, On Your Bike, where we tell people to get on their bike, which is uh, a great segment as well. You've got two more teams to preview from the AFL, West Coast and the Western Bulldogs. Yes, so I am very bullish on one of those sides, Spons, and uh, I'll break them down later on and tell you which of those two teams uh, might catapult up the ladder this year. Okay, and the SA Scorpions are playing in the WNCL final tomorrow down in Tassie, and we're going to speak to Kate Peterson from the Scorpions as well. All right, let's get into it. The hot topic is thanks to Char Time, the home of freshly brewed tea. Thirsty for Char Time. Explore our ready-made signature drink range inspired by Char Time fan faves. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. And you can be part of the show as well. Text in on 0427 154 166. Joining us now is one of our regular co-hosts. It's Jade Rawlings. Twig, welcome down the phone line for a change. Afternoon, boys. How's it going? Uh, Very well. Now, I'll explain to the people who haven't heard this before. We, over the last few weeks, we've selected the best AFL team with yourself picking the back line, Jade, and then men's pick the centre line and the forward lines, and we pick seven players in each, and that uh, that will give us a full team plus bench. And uh, we'll start with your back line. So the back line is Luke Ryan, Stephen May, Tom Stewart, and the half-back line, Braden Maynard, Darcy Moore, and Christian Salem. Men's, what do you think of Twig's back line? Yeah, I really like it. There's, uh, it's a really good mixture of your tools, your smalls, your lockdowns, your rebound, uh, running, rebounding defenders. So um, a couple twig that I've got for you that I want to know how close they were to making your team is James Sicily and then uh, the thoughts around having a real rebounding defender in a Jack Sinclair. Uh, I had a bit of feedback on the Salem one, and I was accused of recency bias because of uh, past life with Salem. But uh, <laughs> I did have Hardwick in there as a seven. Probably the main one, given that Salem's got a thyroid issue at the moment, Adam Sard's the main one. I, I see uh, Tom Stewart as 
ahead of Sicily as a player down back. That's why I went that way. And I'm a big fan of what Sinclair did last year. Probably felt he got tagged out once or twice when they were put a defensive forward on him. And I'm a bit of a fan of seeing people repeat their form over a period of time. So I thought Stard was a nice player at Gold Coast. I think he's become a star at Carlton. So that would be the adjustment I'd make. Uh, so it is a... a it's an interesting philosophy on what people look for value. So I value defence pretty highly, but when you can mix both, then that's a great blend. As for Stuart and Ryan in particular, I think are high end of that. Maynard's probably the best at it in the comp, and more can get beaten occasionally, one on one or on the lead. But um, May's a brute, he just doesn't get beaten at all. Yeah, it's, uh, look, it's a great summer, and uh, I really like a couple of points there around uh, being able to win their own footy, but also defend. And, I like that you've got Luke Ryan in there because I'm not sure that everyone um, on this side of the uh, eastern seaboard or the um, states that uh, aren't in WA would have Luke Ryan in their team. So I really like that selection as well, Bonds. All right. So this is the centre line that men's picked. Hugh McCluggage, Marcus Bondempelli and Callum Mills and the ruck division of Max Gorn, Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver, and you put Paddy Cripps on the bench. Yes, I did. And so my question for you, Twig, is I really tossed and turned uh, with my two wingmen, whether to go two traditional wingmen or whether to go your, your one and a half, your traditional and your hybrid. What, what's your thoughts when it comes to selecting a team? Oh, it's all personnel based, isn't it? If you can have someone who can – Ed Langdon, he plays 100% game time. If you ever watch him, watch, he's always on the opposite side of the interchange. So they can rotate on the interchange wing. He just runs the other side the whole game. And it's an unbelievable weapon because then you can rotate a mid-side mid through that wing. Uh, so I think one of two is generally traditional. And uh, the other one, you can have some flexibility with how you, you operate there. So I'd agree with what you've done there. I like that because Ed Langdon was the one that I didn't put in. I had Mills, McLuggage and Langdon as third. So we agree there. Uh, I mean, you could p- pick any midfield. I've gone with Bontempelli, Petraka, Oliver and Paddy Cripps. Uh, your thoughts on if I've missed someone there? Uh, you don't rate Lockie Neal? <laughs> Look, I've got him down as my stiffest to miss. I did mention it uh, when we went through the midfield. But uh, I, I, if, if I'm picking out of Bontempelli, Petraka, Oliver and Patrick Cripps or Lockie Neal, I'm going with the first four that I said. No, it's a, it's a hot area of the ground. Whenever you look at coaches' votes and any awards, just have a look at how many first-round draft picks who end up being mids. And it's, it's, it's really sought-after area to be able to nail that with your picks. And there's generally recruiters will believe there's more certainty in picking mids than tools. So it's um, yeah, very contested area. I reckon the boulder is Chad Warner. I reckon he's playing a level of footy that yes. would worry most teams in relation to his accumulation, the damage by foot centre forward. He's a 25 possession to two to three goal man, which they're worth their weight in gold. So he could be the one that's coming with a bullet, but Bontempelli's done it for years. Christian and Clayton are, are high in players as well. In the middle that most teams worry about and have to make a choice about who they, they tag. And Sarong and uh, Brayshaw come with a bullet too, boys. They're very good players. All right, let's have a look at the forward line. At uh, half forward is Shy Bolton, Jeremy Cameron, Toby Green. And the full forward line, Isaac Heaney, Tom Lynch and Charlie Cameron. And on the bench, one Dusty Martin. Thoughts there, Twig, on uh, those seven? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's, uh, Whenever you can have a forward line that commands attention in every position, it's pretty dangerous. There's, uh, no one that springs to mind that would be stiff out there. I'm a huge fan of Lynch. I think when he's fit, he just plays like a genuine big man, draws the ball, um, 
brings it down, brings it forward if he doesn't mark it, which is a real key virtue of key forwards as well. Um, Martin and Bolton, imagine, imagine that forward line at Richmond this year, Martin Bolton, Lean Shrevolt, Morris Rioli, uh, Junior. It's going to be really hard to match up on, so it's interesting a couple of the Tigers boys are in there. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be a great forward line to watch. And uh, I agree with you in terms of your, your points before with Jack Sinclair. Uh, we had a few texts in from a few um, people who said Tyson Stengel, Jack Ginevan, other guys, and I agree in the point of it's the body of work for mine and you've got to put it together for more than one really good season. And that's why the guys like Toby Green, Charlie Cameron uh, are certainly in there because they've done it for a long duration and, and Lynch and Cameron are no-brainers. Tom Hawkins, stiff to miss. Tom Papley, probably another one. I really like Bailey Fritch as well. So there was a few there as well, Bonds. But uh, look, the moment has come for you to pick the 22nd player on the... What? Yeah, you guys did a really good job. Bench. You picked 21 and left me one guy. So it was really easy. I just went through the whole list and picked no. I, I have picked Nick Dacos as the best young player in the competition. And I think his flexibility, he can play anywhere on the ground except maybe Ruck. Although he could probably do that too. Hey, Nick Dacos, that's a massive call. Uh, I really like Twig's call of the bolter with Chad Warner. Would you have gone Warner potentially over Dacos, Twig? Uh, I think Dacos is a star. I haven't... I think Sam Walsh and Dacos were pretty rare air for those two to come in his first year as an impact of comp the way they both have. And I think I can see where Bond's coming from. I, I think you can make a good case for Dacos or Warner, but the flexibility probably gives Dacos an edge. And men's, you might want to just get ready for some feedback from Carlton supporters. They might think Kurnow and Harry McKay are worthy of a spot in your forward line as well. <laughs> there you go. Uh, again, twig body of work. You've got to do it for more than one year, and I know they've done it for a couple now, but uh, Tom Lynch and Jeremy Cameron have been thereabouts in the Coleman for at least the last half a dozen of seasons. But uh, it's, it's a great debate. It is a great debate. And we'll put that team up on our social medias as well. And uh, you can text in. Tell us who do you think missed out on 0427 154 one double six. Now, Twig, before we let you go, we know you're a busy man. Um, Gil McLaughlin has come out today and announced that $360 million will go to the Tasmanian team setup, including part of that money going towards the stadium build and $90 million going towards game development and community footy and then $30 million going to talent development. Your thoughts on your home state and the money going towards it? All roads indicate to a licence being granted once this stadium gets sorted. So it's really positive, guys, because Tassie footy hasn't been invested in for quite a while and the results are there to show that in relation to the state of the State League. But it's fantastic to to see what's been contributed and uh, it was supposed to be August of 2022, the decision from the Commission on the licence. So I can only imagine that it's ready to go, but they just need to have everything uh, mapped out and and organised to be able to go forward with it. So... Uh, very positive messaging for all Tasmanians and, uh, yeah, hopefully putting in Tassie will thrive moving forward. Speaking thanks words from uh, the new head coach of the Tasmanian Devils, <laughs> <laughs> Twig Rawlings. <laughs> hey, Twig, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll catch up again next week. Good evening, fellas. Thanks for that. Thanks, Twig. And uh, you're right, Bonds. Uh, look, we've had a little bit to do with him here at SCN and Sports Day SA, but also I was involved with him in the state program last year and and you, you understand how good an operator he is and 
he is a Tasmanian. Uh, they're going to get a team eventually. Uh, it's a pretty much a no-brainer for mine. Why wouldn't you have that man involved in some way? So yep. it's, uh, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens down there in Tasmania with the stadium, with the build, with the team, how they develop that. We saw what happened with GWS and Gold Coast and how they uh, got draft picks to come in and how they recruited. Uh, it's an interesting time for the AFL at the moment. If he's allowed to leave Norwood, that is, I don't think... Um James Fantasia is letting go in a hurry. Um, before uh, we go on, um, news in AFLW land. Uh, Chloe Malloy has signed a five-year deal with the City Swans. That is uh, a massive deal um, in terms of length and I imagine in terms of financially as well, which uh, is well-deserved because she is a very good up-and-coming – she's not an upcoming player anymore. She's a gun in the AFLW. Yes. It's massive for the Sydney Swans. They struggled last year in their first season. It's a big coup for one of the big, well, the biggest market, really, in Australia. It's a big coup indeed, and she said that she's in pursuit of a new opportunity and a pursuit of a new lifestyle. Which is very interesting. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be huge for them. They need to do something a little bit different. So it is a really nice addition for the Sydney Swans. Coming up on, on the show, we've got On Your Bike, our new segment. And later, Kate Peterson from the SA Scorpions. And Menz is going to talk about the Western Bulldogs and the West Coast Eagles. And it's all thanks to the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my You're listening to Sports Day for Kia, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Paul are with you alongside Dan Menzel, Premiership player with the Eagles. Menz, this is my favourite segment. It started last week. It's my new favourite segment. I love it. It's called On Your Bike, and it's thanks to Bike SA. Take the Zen Energy Challenge. Sorry, take the Zen Energy Grand Slam Cycling Challenge. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. All right, men, who are you going to put on your on their bike? Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, I think you might stick with Australia, so I'm going to go abroad. I'm going to go international, and uh, I'm going to talk about. We don't see it a lot in Australia, but owners of sports teams overseas um, that run the club just as a business off field, rather than worrying about the on field and how the club is actually going. The example I'm using here is Manchester United and the Glazers at that soccer club or football club, as they call it over there. They run that at a profit loss. They don't worry about how the team's performing. They don't worry about whether they get a new stadium or whatnot. The fans have hated it for years and years and said, sell the club, sell us to someone else who actually wants to invest money into this club to make them much better. If you look at their crosstown rivals, Manchester City, they are the perfect example of an investment group coming in, which is Abu Dhabi United Group, come in, they installed all this money into the club 
Great facilities, all new players. They're winning everything. Manchester United just lagging behind. It is, at the moment, it's topical bonds because they are looking at whether they do sell or don't. The uh, outcry from Manchester United fans is, sell our team. You don't love our team like we do. And so for owners out there of sports teams that run it just as a business and don't actually have much uh, interest as to how they perform on the field, that's not sports for mine, and uh, they should be on their bike. Good one. I like it. It's, it's topical, but I like it. It's really good. Um, okay, I'm I'm going to go the Aussie selectors. It's a, it's low hanging fruit, I know, but they are now rushing Cameron Bancroft over to India to replace David Warner. That is, uh, I mean, that's the Cameron Bancroft. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's the man who uh, had all the the yep. incident in South Africa. Yep. Um, so he's done his time. Yep. And maybe fair enough, but. Does that bring stability into this group? Probably uh, not. No, I don't think it does. And I also think that um, Cam Bancroft would love the opportunity, but uh, I don't. I don't know. He's he's up against it, isn't he? Like he's going over there. No one can make a run as it is. Uh, there's still, unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, a bad taste uh, around about Cam Bancroft. Yes. You're going to put him over there into the Indian hostility and go all the best uh, after your yeah. last uh, stint for Australia, which was in South Africa. Uh, it's an interesting decision, to say the least, Bonds, in and, terms of what they could have done. And wasn't there a South Australian who opened the batting and did okay? On the name of <laughs> Travis Head. Like, I, I, isn't it, doesn't everyone agree that that's probably a good solution for the last remaining test there I, it makes no sense why overcomplicate it why exactly that I agree with that and and you've got an opener over there already in Renshaw so I'm not I'm not 100% sure what, what's going on here and even further to that even a more reason why the Aussie selectors should be on their bike yes Dave Warner has been named in the ADI squad Oh, with my. a fractured elbow what, what, and completely out of form. What is going on there? He's he's injured. Uh, he is horrendously out, uh, badly out of form. Now, Aaron Finch has decided to step away from the international yep. arena. It's probably a good opportunity to go, well, let's move on from our two openers that haven't been in the greatest form. They've been so good for us for such a long period of time. Let's try something different. Um and on top of that, he is injured at the moment as well. It's a it's a no brainer for mine to go in a different direction, uh, but they've stuck with it. Yeah, there's three one days uh, in India, and I just yeah, I'm, I just, makes no sense whatsoever. So, on behalf of Bike SA, on your bike to the Australian selectors, um, uh, unbelievable. Grab your mates and take the Zen Energy Grand Slam Cycling Challenge. Registrations are open now. All right. Uh, Men's a couple of other little tidbits of news. Yes, the Adelaide Giants. We love them. They're uh, been good friends of ours over the summer, and a uh, bit of a pat on the back to the tank. Chris Adamson, the coach of the Adelaide Giants, has won ABL Coach of the Year. Yeah, it's some great recognition uh, for the season that the Adelaide Giants had for what he obviously did for that team 43 years since they've won it all. So uh, to get that recognition on top of that is uh, is well-deserved to Chris Adamson. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, they uh, Where they came from and the way he structured the team and to get them like on that 12-game run where they won 12 games in a row, broke records... It's a bit of a no-brainer, but he congratulations to Tank. He's done a fantastic job, and 
He's off to the World Baseball Classic yes. now with the Australian team, and then he's off back to Philadelphia to help out the Phillies. Yeah, he's a busy man, a busy man. So, uh, Bonds, let's jump to the AFL just briefly. Uh, on uh, We've been talking about how teams have been naming their captains uh, yes. over the previous week or previous weeks. I believe Geelong might be the last standing team now with Fremantle announcing their captain today. Yes. Or uh, Brisbane haven't announced theirs officially That's either, the other one. We yes. talked about Lockie Neal putting his hand up the other day. That's correct. Yeah. And, uh, and Humic Luggage is another. So the, there's two to go with Fremantle announcing. Obviously, we heard Zach Merritt the other day. Fremantle have announced that Alex Pierce is their new captain. Uh, he becomes the 10th captain of the club with uh, Andrew Brayshaw and Caleb Sarong as his vice captain. So a couple of really good young leaders coming through there. Very popular man at that footy club, Alex Pierce, and well-deserved. I like that. Coming up on the show, we're going to speak to Kate Peterson from the Scorpions. They're into the WNCL final. And, men's, you've got your AFL preview of West Coast and the Western Bulldogs right here on the Summer Edition of Sports Day SA. Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Uh, Paul Bonds are here with Dan Menzel. And we're just looking after the show for David Wildey and Malcolm Blight, who will be back in about two weeks' time, just before the start of footy season. You can be part of the show as well, 0427 154 166. That is the text line. And now we're going to speak to one of the SA Scorpions, thanks to Tyre Power. Think safety this February. Get your five-minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power. Wow! I feel good. Sports Day SA. I knew that I wouldn't. On cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. From the Scorpions, it's Kate Peterson. Kate, welcome to the summer edition of Sports Day SA. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, you're on your way to Tasmania. You currently just jumped off a plane in Melbourne, so we do appreciate you uh, jumping on the line for us. Uh, nervous, excited about the final in Tassie? Yeah, I'm definitely excited. I think there's quite a bit of nerves going around the group, but. I think that's good and we'll work in our favour when we do get out in the field. Um, yeah, obviously we lost to them last year, so it's uh, the same two teams playing off in the final. We had two losses to them earlier this year, but I think we're just going to use that to our advantage and go on with nothing to lose attitude and put our best performance out there and it'll be what it is. You won both games against Queensland last weekend to advance to the final. Sunday was a fantastic game. Have you played in a more intense game than what you did on Sunday? Yeah, we actually have had a pretty pretty intense season. We've had um, two Super Overs. We only played one because of the rain. Um, but, yeah, a lot of games have come down to the last over and last and second last ball wins. So I think it just shows the grit that our team has to, to fight all the way to the end and to get the result every time um, in our favour has been really good. Now, you were padded up and next to come in on Sunday. How was the nerves? Oh, not good. I was not watching. <laughs> I was getting the girls to tell me what was happening every ball, but... Yeah, I guess you just got to go out there and know that you've done the work and just back your ability in. But yeah, very nervous at that time. And, and that and that you have uh, back your ability in. You've had a really good season this year. Seventeen wickets at twenty four. So, whereabouts do you think that your improvement has come from? Yeah, I think uh, obviously just working with the coaches that we have down here. Um, probably also confidence. I guess I haven't really had much game time coming into last season, and then. Yeah, I guess with every game you just grow as a player, you take your learning where you can. Um, 
and just having the support of the girls around me and working with the coaches and yeah, I think mentally develop as well. Yeah, going with more confidence to each game. Certainly seen that over the season. I've seen a bit of the games and and commentated a few, and you can see your growth and de- uh, development and the confidence you have from the start of the season to the end of the season has been fantastic. So you can give yourself a pat on the back for that. I want to ask you a little bit about the batting lineup of Tassie. It's really strong, but who do you consider as the prize wicket? If you want to take at least your first wicket on uh, Saturday, who's it, who's it going to be? Yeah, look, obviously they've got such a good calibre of players out there and heaps of international experience, but I think you can't look past someone like Elise Filani, who's in such good form at the moment. She, she always knows how to take a, a game away from you. Um, coming off a knock of 174 not out last week. So, um, yeah, she's in really good form. She, she's just an incredible batter. So I think that'd be really good if we can get her early, really set the game up in our favour. So, Kate, you mentioned that she can take the game away from you. Now, when we've played Tasmania this season, in both occasions, we bat first and uh, made 244 and 224, and they chased it down with just a loss of four wickets. So my question is, is there has been any talk about uh, if we win the toss, potentially we look at uh, bowling first and being able to actually chase? Yeah, I'm not really sure what the chat's been around that. I'm sure the captain probably has more of an idea, but I think whatever we do, we, we just go out there and try and get a really good start. If we that first foot runs on the board, there's scoreboard pressure. They're, in the end, they've got to get the runs. Um, and if we bowl first, try and just switch them to, I guess, as little as we can and chase it down. So whatever we do, we just go out there confident and try and put our best performance out there. Absolutely. And so personally, do you have a, um, do you prefer one or the other coming in and bowling first? Do you have a, pr- a preference as to either? Uh, not really. I guess if, the wicket's in favour of one or the other, then you just do what, what's best for the team. But, yeah, I don't really have a preference. You've got to do both of them at the end of the day. So, yeah, not really. Played a bit of cricket around the place uh, now. Where's your favourite place to bowl? Oh, Carlos Park, North Sydney Oval. It's just, um, I'm still the Sixers for Big Bass, so that's our home ground. And just, I think it's just the atmosphere there. It's quite, uh, the boundaries are quite small and the crowd's really closed in on you. So, yeah, it's just a really good feeling there. Um, yeah, the part I've got a question for you around um, sledging, banter. Is it a big part of the women's game? And are you, um, any, think, are you, are you one to have a few words? Uh, um, it's definitely growing. Um, getting a lot more. I hear a lot of comments out there, but not me personally. I'm normally feeling on boundaries, so I don't really say too much out there, but... Uh, yeah, it's definitely growing. It's an area of the game that has developed over the past few years, for sure. Now, Kate, the lineup going into the final on Saturday, is it pretty set? There's not going to be too many um, things that uh, we can expect to see differently from the team? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure what the lineup looks like at the moment. I think we'll have meetings around that tomorrow, but I can't imagine there'd be too many changes to what we put out. We've had a few combinations over the season, so. Whatever one we go with, I know we'll back the team in to do the job. What about away from cricket, um, Kate? Uh, what do you What do you do? Do you study or do you work? Yeah, so I'm studying a bachelor of physiotherapy at the moment at the Uni of Adelaide. So yeah, that's pretty much what I do outside of cricket. It takes quite a bit of time. So, Kate, if you get the win on Saturday, uh, how does that look in terms of studies wise? You get a little bit time off with that, I'm guessing. Uh, well, we actually go back to uni on Monday, so that's when it starts for the year. 
Um, so probably not, but yeah, <laughs> Sunday well to celebrate. <laughs> All right, you take on Tassie uh, on Saturday and... Yeah, it's been a little bit while since you beat them. How do you get the win against Tas- Tasmania? How- what do you have to do well to get uh, the win and take home the title? Yeah, I think we just go in knowing that it's, it's honestly their game to lose. They've beat us every time that we've played them recently. Um, so we go in with a knock and noise attitude. And to be honest, I don't think we've quite put together a full performance with that ball and field yet. So we've had a really good training week. So I think leading to the game, we're all really well prepared, just going confident, trying to put our best, best foot forward. And, yeah, hopefully that's good enough to do the job. Hopefully it does go to plan, as you've touched on, Kate. The weather forecast is scattered showers. Do you take much of that into consideration? Um, yeah, I think they'll definitely have a look at that. But I, I think there's not much rain due, probably like half a mil, if anything. So shouldn't have too much of an impact on the game. It should be nice. Okay. Kate, we really appreciate you joining us uh, from the airport, as we just heard through the speaker. Uh, You probably got aboard soon, so we'll let you go. Uh, Good luck to all the girls, and give our best to your skipper, Gemma, as well. She's one of our faves. And um, bring home home the title for for South Australia. Will do. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Kate. Kate Peterson there from the SA Scorpions. Um, She is an up-and-coming star. She bowls probably in that 110, 115 range. She's got some good pace. And, uh, yeah, she's come on leaps and bounds. Compare, you know, I saw her play her first game to what she's bowling now. Yep. And as you said, 17 wickets at 24. It's been a great year for her. Oh, well, and they've got confidence in there in the bowling lineup to do the job uh, that she's asked. And so she didn't obviously want to give it away there, Bonds, but there certainly would be plenty of chats around. Uh, they've chased us down pretty convincingly both times we've played them. Yep. We'll obviously look at the wicket and work out what is the best conditions, whether it's to bat first or bowl first. But uh, you'd have to look at that and go, if we can send them in first and get Fellaini and these girls out early, then uh, we'll be in a really strong position. Yeah, Scorpions chase well as, as well, so they'll they'll want about second. So the toss might be very important. It'll be very important. It's AFL Thursday, men's. Thanks to Toolkit Depot, your one-stop shop to get back on the tools. New year means new gear at Toolkit Depot. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Now, men's the last two uh, Victorian-based teams. Uh, sorry, last two teams. Interstate. Interstate teams. Yes. That was a big faux pas for me. West Coast and the Western Bulldogs. And before you get into that, next week you're doing the Adelaide Crows and Port Power. Yeah, we are three weeks away today from the start of the AFL season. So we are going to jump into the Eagles and the Bulldogs tonight and then finish with the Crows and the Power. Uh, a fortnight out from the season starting. So no doubt we'll get some good feedback on uh, the Power and the Crows uh, list that we break down next week. But let's get into the West Coast Eagles first. Go for it, my friend. So the West Coast Eagles, they've brought in Jaden Hunt. Uh, that's their addition this season. They've lost a bit of experience. So Josh Kennedy, uh, he retired last year. An incredible finish to his career, if you remember that game, Bonds. Yes. Um, Jackson Nelson, Luke Foley, Jack Redden has retired. Uh, Hugh Dixon and Junior Rioli has gone to the power. Uh, what about uh, the strengths of the West Coast Eagles? I think with West Coast, if you have a look at their list and you go through it, if you look at their list and, and everyone on that list, or at least their better players, are fit and on the park, which is a complete contrast to last season, 
then their best team can compete against anyone. And now if, you, if you've got a midfield boasting Nick Knapp, Elliot Yo, Andrew Gafflick, Shuey and Tim Kelly delivering the ball into Jack Darlene, Liam Ryan and Oscar Allen, Oscar, Oscar Allen sorry, uh, that team can take it to anyone. So their strengths, their better players are definitely still some of the better players in the competition. Weakness. The weakness for the Eagles is uh, a little bit of where is the team at. Uh, they played like it last year and showed that they didn't know where they are as a football club. Are they in a complete rebuild? Are they in a semi-rebuild? That's the questions that they'll have to be asking internally. Um, the expectations on the roles need to be clarified and the depth at each position must be developed because they're in a really interesting position as a football club this year. The pressure gauge on the West Coast Eagles. Uh, for mine, it's moderate. Uh, they've moved into a semi-rebuild, um, and so the expectations won't be too high. It'll be more based on the development and, and working out what is the clear path for these Eagles youngsters coming through, but also the names that I've mentioned. There's some good players there that are towards the end of their career, so we're working out where they are heading moving forward. Who needs to perform I'd love to see Elliot, Lowe, Elliot Yo perform this year. Um, he has flirted with being in the best 10 players in the competition for large periods throughout his career, but injuries, unfortunately, have let him down. So I've heard that he's had a really good preseason. And if that is the case, I think Eagles fans, rightfully so, can expect big things from Elliot Yo in 2023. The most improved player. Your expectations. I really like Campbell Chesser. He is the number 14 pick in the 2021 draft. Uh, now, he missed the entirety of the last season with a left ankle injury. Now, having an injury at such a young age, um, provided you come back with a clean bill of health, can be a really good thing for you. It, it teaches you resilience. Um, it teaches you how to have attention to detail, and you learn how hard you can actually really push yourself. Everyone thinks they can push themselves, but once you're in this position for a long time at a young age, I think you can get to that level and really learn about yourself. And from all reports, that's what's happened with Campbell Chesser. And so I believe he can be in for a really good season for the Eagles in their midfield. Who wins their best and fairest? Andrew Gaff is the consistent one for mine in their team. The, he will play predominantly on the outside. He'll play on the wings. He gets back really well to help out the defence, um, which should result in him getting plenty of footy, but also a lot of rebound 50s. The ball's going to be in their back line a lot this year. So I think he's going to consistently get a number of possessions and uh, he'll win their best and fairest. Premiership window? It's 3am for mine. It's probably the most challenging list dynamic in the league, the West Coast Eagles. They have now gone into rebuild mode by moving from the second oldest list last season to the ninth oldest list this season. So they need to prioritise games into their younger mids, such as Chesser, Bazo, Howe and Cully. And, uh, but they've also still got the experience of McGovern, Hearn, Yo, Sheed, Gaff Kelly and Nat Newey. So it's not a complete reset at the moment either. And where do you see them finishing on the ladder? I've got West Coast finishing 15th. Uh, I think with the... The guys that I've named, if they stay fit, they will definitely beat some decent teams along the way, but they're going to struggle with consistency and they are going to prioritise playing the kids. So I think they'll be in and out of games. 15th is where I have them. Your thoughts on the Eagles in 2023? I think they're in the bottom four as well. So I think that's in the in that sort of range. Um, I, they could improve, but there were times last year where 
Adam Simpson had guys playing he hadn't even met until they'd rocked up at the ground. So they had some COVID issues throughout they the had... year. Uh, they, so they may jump up a little higher than that, but I think that's about right. Yeah, they, they may. You're right. They um, they had some interesting stories there. When we played the state game over there, Bonds, uh, SA versus WA, a guy that played in the state game actually played for West Coast the week before in the <laughs> AFL. Yes. B- bizarre scenes. But, um, yeah, I think over there they're still going to be hard to beat. So you yes. never know, but I think it will be challenging times for West Coast this year. Yeah, and where are their goals going to come from with Josh Kennedy gone? All right, let's move on to the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, so the additions for the Bulldogs, the main ones are Rory Lobb they got from Fremantle, and Liam Jones has come back uh, since um, stepping away for a year, effectively, with uh, the vaccination. So two really big ins there for the Bulldogs. They're out. Um, Zane Cordy, Josh Shackey, they've lost Lockie Hunter to the Demons. They've lost Josh Dunkley to the Lions. Stephen Martin has retired, and Mitch Wallace has gone as well. So, yeah, it's a... Big players gone. What yep. about their strengths? Yeah, the strengths for mine for the Bulldogs is they've got some really good quality midfielders in Liberatore, McRae, Bailey Smith, Trelaw, and Bontempelli. So they've mixed and matched roles over the last couple of seasons, but all of these guys are really good quality mids, and I think they should be able to go with any midfielder in the competition. Agreed. Uh, weaknesses? For mine, the question marks are still on their back line. Now, in the past, they've been undermanned and inconsistent. They've had the likes of Ryan Gardner, Bailey Dale, Ed Richards, and Alex Keefe. And they're all solid players, but from, they're not genuine keys. And so the question will be, can Liam Jones come in and or Sam Darcy and alleviate those issues? They are also training Josh Bruce down there at the moment as well. So they have a lot of different options to look at. The question marks and whether they can go to the next level next year will be potentially on that back line. Liam Jones having a year out of footy. That's really interesting to me. I can't wait to see how he goes for the dogs. The pressure gauge on them. I've got moderate to high here. I think that um, the team is ready to compete again after a tough year and overcoming that grand final loss to the Demons in 2021. Beveridge for mine, although signed the extension, he has the tools and so needs to get the best out of what I think is the best balanced team on paper he has had since he has been at the club. All right. Who needs to perform? Tim English needs to perform, and not because he didn't have a good year last year. He was very good last year. I just think that if he continues to mature into his body, he can take it to the better ruckman in the comp. He can become one of the best ruckmen in the competition. And what they will do for this Bulldogs team is it will help out those midfielders who can be prolific, they can dominate games. And we know that he covers the ground exceptionally well. So he is so crucial to how the Bulldogs fare in this season in 2023. What about their most improved player this year? Another one that uh, will have a massive impact on the group, if he can be, is Sam Darcy. Now, he showed glimpses of his potential last year. And at 204 centimetres, there is no reason why he can't do what Sam DeConin has done at Geelong, who is also 204 centimetres. If he can replicate this with the addition of Liam Jones, which we touched on, this can make all the difference to the team that struggled in the key key defender position. So I really like the looks of Sam Darcy, and I think that he could have a massive year. Who wins their best and fairest? Uh, Marcus Bontempelli, if he stays in the midfield, which I think he will, he will win their best and fairest because he'll play a lot of midfield minutes, which he hasn't necessarily done in the past, and it'll just help with his consistency. Um, he is their captain. He is effectively their barometer. Can he win the Brownlow? He definitely can win the Brownlow. They have to keep him in the midfield, and I think they will. 
premiership window for the Bulldogs. 10pm for the Bulldogs. They are there and they are ready. They have now the second oldest list in the competition. And with that experience and their best players being Bontempelli, McRae, Liberatore, these guys are all in the prime of their career. So if you can add that to the excitement of the young key position players in Norton, in Darcy, in Eugle Hagen, uh, the optimism for the years to come is certainly there. And I'm very bullish on the Bulldogs this season. And they will finish in what position on the ladder? This might be high for some, but I have the Western Bulldogs finishing in third position on the ladder. Uh, They have the eighth hardest draw, and they play against Fremantle, GWS, Hawthorne, and Port Adelaide twice. Four teams that did not uh, effectively do a lot last year. Fremantle did, but I haven't dropped out. So there's a really nice run for the Bulldogs. Uh, I think it falls their way in season 2023. I love what they've done in assessing their weak spots and filling those needs. So effectively, we've got Aaron Norton, but we'd love a second key forward that can dominate. Let's go and get Rory Lobb and bring him into this forward line. Then we'll add Ugo Hagen to that. All right, we've struggled in the back line. Let's go and recruit Liam Jones and bring him in. So I love what they've done with that. And the other thing is too, I've heard a lot of people say uh, Lockie Hunter out and Josh Dunkley out is really going to hurt them. I actually don't think that's the case at all. And not because those guys aren't very good footballers, but what it does is everyone who's played fantasy over the past few years, Bonds has known that the Bulldogs have got eight midfielders that they're trying to squeeze into four. Correct. So you've got McRae going from the midfield of the wing where he doesn't touch it. Bontempelli's going forward because they can't fit him in there. By squeezing out or moving out, these guys leaving in Hunter and Dunkley, it means that these guys like your McRae, like your Liberatore, like your Bontempelli spend quality time in the midfield and it's going to be that quantity over uh, quality over quantity. If I talk about the balance, you have McRae, Bontempelli and Libra on the inside and then you've got Trelaw and Bailey Smith on the wings. So I think it's going to make it a much more clearer understanding of their roles, which was not necessarily the case in the previous couple of seasons and so it's why I've got them finishing third on the ladder. Where do you, where do you see I them? Like, I like them too. I think they'll be in the top four. I, I really like the Bulldogs. I, like you said, I think they've filled some gaps that they had. Absolutely and I don't think people realise they are the second oldest list in the competition now. So a, a lot of this list has come through over the last few years and been thereabouts. They lost a grand final. There's a few of these guys in there that played in a winning one back in 2017. So the experience there in bigger games is certainly coming. And uh, and we all know it's hard to bounce back from a grand final and, and particularly a grand final loss, which they did against Melbourne in Perth in 2021. I think it's going to fall the Bulldogs' way this year. Another outstanding look at two AFL clubs, men's, and, yeah, the two local clubs next week. Are you getting nervous? Uh, <laughs> you get some feedback about that, the Crows and Port next week? I am getting nervous. We've had a couple of interviews with uh, Ollie Wines and uh, we've also interviewed Lockie Gallant from Adelaide and uh, everyone says they're flying at this time of the year. Yes. Um, so when they mention that and you think, oh, maybe I might be a little bit low on these guys, I'm not sure. But, uh, it, look, it'd be great to break it down. I'd be interested to get some feedback, get some text messages in next week around where they, where everyone sees their team, if it's the Crows or the Power and how they'll fare in 2023. Question without notice. We brought this up on last night's show. I asked Twig about this. But uh, four umpires coming in this year. What are your thoughts on the four umpires? Look, it's a challenge. Uh, I think that um, I have heard Twig talk about this in the past in terms of the officiating the game is already hard enough as it is. When you add an extra person in there, 
uh, are they going to stand back and not call as much as what they might see? Uh, you don't want the game to be over-officiated and you don't want to dilute that talent too. The last thing I want to see is more umpires get pulled up to the AFL and then it gets diluted as you go through the ranks as well because we don't have enough umpires. It'd be a very interesting watch to see how it goes, but just because we've got an extra umpire should not mean that there are more free kicks called and that's probably my question to the AFL umpiring department as to how are you going to negate that from happening. Yeah, my first thought is do we have enough umpires? But then they're saying that they're running 16Ks at the moment. That'll go down to 10, so they will probably be able to do two games a weekend. Well, then you add fatigue and other things to come into it as well. There's other factors that come in. Um, So there's two ways to look at it. Um, It's an experiment. I just hope that our game doesn't get over-umpired and over-officiated because the fans hate that. And if you're not doing anything tonight, um, it's sort of midnight-ish. If you're up, you yeah. can't sleep. Um, it would be a good thing to just turn the telly on and watch the Aussie T20 girls they t- uh, in the semi-final against India to go through to the final. Yeah, well worth tuning into that. Bonds, I asked you the question the other night, and true or false, is the Australian women's cricket team the most dominant sporting team that we've had over a large period of time? They could be the best team in the world at the moment in any sport. And so that's why it's worth tuning into because they have been dominant. I would expect them to continue rolling tonight when they take on India and then roll into the final. So it, uh, it would be a good watch. Uh, India's getting better as a cricket nation when it comes to their women's cricket. But I think with this team, with the names in the team we've got, I think we'll be far too strong. And quickly before we go, Australia named their ODI side to take on India. I'll go through it quickly. Pat Cummins, Sean Abbott, Ashton Agar, Alex Carey, Cam Green, Travis Head, Josh Inglis, Manus Lubbershane, Mitch Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, great to see Maxie back, yes. Richardson, Smith, Stark, Stoinis, Warner, and Zampa. Zampa. It's good to see Zampa in there too, after obviously being admitted from the test lineup, which was disappointing. He is a very good white ball player. He deserves that opportunity. I don't get Dave Warner. That makes no sense yeah. to me. <laughs> Picking him. Are they, are they just. No, I don't know. Yep. Let's let's leave it because I could go on for hours and on hours. On your bike. On your bike. <laughs> um, Mans, it's been great again. Uh, you're back tomorrow. You're yes. about to go play a trial game, so uh, slip, slop, slap, my son. Yes. Down there at Ford, kick some goals, um, and have a good have a good run. I'm going to get there in a couple of minutes and uh, be ready to go straight away, Bonds. Thanks for listening uh, to uh, the summer edition of Sports Day SA. You're listening to Sports Day. For Kia, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer.